It's April 4th, 2013. Welcome to This Is Only Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Right. Look at that fucking squirrel on my bird feeder. And then suddenly, the Enterprise D's bridge. I'm Will Smith. Uh, joining me, as always, Norman Chan. How are you doing, sir? That was a old school intro. It's, you know, it feels like it's such a long time ago, but I think it's from last summer. It is from last summer because the bird feeder stuff was uh, in my living room, podcasting right? Podcasting from your living room. Yeah, those were and, good. Um, wow, that, that that should that should have been retired. I, you know, it would have been retired, but my laptop's in the shop this week, and I'm using the iMac that we used to use to do podcasts. And that was the file that was and, on and this the was, iMac. And this was on there. I mean, I have the real one, too, but I figured, you know, when you have the opportunity to kind of mix it up. And people have been complaining about the, the, the tested podcast theme So lately. why is your, I, uh, your laptop in the shop? Um, well, they have it now, and the only question they asked me was, did you spill anything on it? So uh, last weekend, I was using my MacBook. Uh, for a project, and um, suddenly it, it rebooted, and then it stopped working entirely, and came back up for like five minutes, and then just turned off. And it's a MacBook Air, so there's not a whole lot of service you can do yourself on it. Did you do anything to it? Yeah, probably. Probably. Um, do you, is, is it something that you did that you probably don't want to say out loud I'd, to have on record? I think I for warranty issues or for <sighs> warranty purposes. Probably that would be smart. I, I, but I, I think we should talk about I, it. I don't think anyone. I don't think any geniuses you don't are think listening any... to the podcast right now are going to look up your Oh, I guarantee you geniuses order. are listening to the podcast. I just Not hope geniuses. they wouldn't narc me out. I don't think they would narc you out. Okay, so I was doing some Arduino stuff, and I was moving my circuit from a breadboard, which, you know, a breadboard, if you don't know, is a thing that has holes, and there's, like, the leads have little metal, metal pins on the end, so you can just jam them in, and it from makes a, it... Yep. And then you can solder... So then, leads. well, you, you usually don't solder into the breadboard. Usually you just you use that to prototype the circuit and figure out what works. Mm-hmm. And then you solder the, the circuit into a more um, permanent shield. So like you, I, like you just get a shield with a bunch of holes on the top that are connected in a specific way. And then you wire stuff into that, which is what I was doing. So I was moving the circuit that worked from a breadboard to a, a, a shield. And I missed something when I was hooking it up. And I accidentally piped, uh, it's possible, Theoretically speaking, that I accidentally piped 12 volts uh, back down the USB bus and torched oh. the Arduino and also possibly the MacBook. So the Arduino is gone. Well, it was a, it was an old Arduino, so it's not. It, it was a it was yeah, a Doom Milano. Tw- Twenty five bucks. Twenty five bucks down the tubes. Um, that might be repairable from okay. reading online, um, but the MacBook was still under warranty. So I just went into the into the to talk to the geniuses. It was like. Uh, just stopped working, man. I don't know. So play I played dumb. real dumb. Always play dumb. I got the first smarmy genius I've ever worked with. How was he smarmy? Or he she? was he was kind of um. Well, he just got new glasses, which we talked about because new glasses when you have bottle cap glasses like mine is is a is a little bit of a challenge because he was kind of like doing the head side to side thing, like trying to figure out where the focal point was. Um. And and he was 
Like he was just he was going down the list, and he was like, D- "Is there water damage?" Yeah, you got like, to go through procedure. Well, yeah, but I was like, "No, there's no water damage." I didn't. I would have told you if there was water damage. I wouldn't even bothered coming in because you're going to charge me like a thousand dollars to and fix they it. And they can always tell. Damage, yeah, water damage. he's like, "We can tell if there's water damage." I think there should be a. Uh, I think going in for warranty and going in to get your phone replaced or something, it should always be a gamble. It should, it should be risk and reward. So you're saying if you can pull off the lie enough? No, well, of course, if you could pull off the lie enough, then you should be you should be rewarded. Yeah. But I think the risk is the part that isn't there. If you lie and say there isn't water damage, yeah, and it turns out there is, well, you had an experience with then this. Then you should have to pay double. Didn't you take your iPhone four? Didn't you go swimming with your iPhone four? I didn't go swimming. The, the ocean attacked me <laughs> and destroyed the iPhone three GS. Oh, three GS. Uh, and I paid the full price to to have it replaced. Uh huh. And did you? But did you go in and try to play dumb? No, I said I said there was a rogue wave. A, something something was broken with it. Oh, so that's um, playing dumb. You didn't say I went. I got in the ocean and stopped working. No. How and, did How did they find it out? Did they look at it? And, did they have the docs they, back they then? They open. So the the way water damage is typically um, assessed is at least on the iPhone. There are several points both in, back in the Dock Nectar days, Dock Nectar and the headphone jack, mm-hmm. um, the color will change. And they'll, the geniuses there will look down uh, those ports to see if the color changes. They can, if they, because it's a case-by-case basis and mm-hmm. it's up to the employee, I think that they can swap out your phone then and there if you're yeah. within your you know, 30 days or whatever. Or even within the one year. Right. Yeah. Um, and then they just log that in on their special iPhones uh, in the store where iPod touches. Yeah, I've I've actually had that. Now they do iPads, by the way. Um, um, so I like when I went when my iPhone four when the home button stopped working. Uh, I just went in, took it, and they were like, "Well, let's back this up. We'll copy it off, and then we'll give you a new one." Same thing with like a dead pixel or something, mm-hmm. because they will allot for a certain number of, of defective units. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure plenty of people go into those stores and try to, to con the warranty game, and. Say they did didn't do anything and yeah. try to put it on the the manufacturer, and I think that if you get caught, I think you should sign something that says, "This is your statement of what what you you, you know you're committing to." Well, the repair cost for a new motherboard in this MacBook is like eight hundred dollars, so I feel like that's probably substantial enough. I feel like that's enough punishment. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Um, you should. Well, well, I take it back. Maybe the, I mean the cost is the cost. You should be shamed. Yeah, I, I would. I think a public shaming is acceptable. Shame, there should be a website. I, I was caught lying about my warranty. Or maybe maybe it's like you stand. I mean, I guess in. Well, here's the thing. I didn't commit fraud because he didn't say, "Hey, why do you think this is broken?" He said, "What happened?" And I said, "It stopped working." These things are absolutely true. I didn't. I did not deduce that I had piped twelve volts down the wrong line when you were there. No, I knew it by then. But he oh. didn't. He didn't say. There was an, there's an omission of tr- truth, perhaps, but he didn't say, why do you think this is broken? Which, in which case, I would have said, well, I was fucking around with an Arduino and accidentally torched the motherboard. This is why society's broken. Because of my attention to detail? No, be- because of people trying to break the system. I'm not trying to break the system. I paid for a warranty on that laptop. Well, work paid for a warranty on that laptop. Okay. Perfectly reasonable use of, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, if, if work paid for the warranty, then there's no problem with admitting that you're at fault. Well, but the, if they don't honor the warranty because I did something that's outside. Well, what's outside the warranty is water damage, it sounds like. Everything else is inside? For the most part. Dep- well, I guess it depends on the warranty yeah. level that you bought. I would figure, like, if you took a, the a Apple plug, Care. 
if you took a plug for a lamp, cut it off, stripped the two wires, and jammed them in the USB ports, I bet that that's not covered. If you're a genius, let us know. We'd love to yeah, hear. Yeah, I'd love to know what, the, yeah. what is and what isn't covered. I'm sure they can't divulge that information. Well, they can divulge it anonymously. The email address is tipsattested.com. Um, you want to talk about news? There's a lot, kind of a surprisingly thin amount of news this week. It's not much. Some of it's pretty big, though. Um, Google this morning announced Blink. Uh, Blink is a Chrome-specific fork of WebKit. So WebKit okay. is the renderer that powers Safari and Chrome and um, uh, Opera now. What else? I think it started... It's, it's a long time ago. Yeah, so it started as the, as the, as the web browser in um, KDE, Linux, uh, you know, Conqueror is what it like started as. It's out of KHTML. Yeah, so um, Chrome's been using WebKit for the last since Chrome launched, basically. And this is a big difference from what Firefox and what IE had been using. So IE had um, at that point. I, I mean, until Chrome launched, we kind of well until Safari launched, we kind of hadn't heard about marketing the the sub underlying renderer for web pages. Um, but basically, what Google is saying is that they need to spin out um, WebKit because of some limitations of the way WebKit is designed. Don't really align with the way Chrome works. So chromium. Uh, chromium, yeah. So unlike um, unlike say Safari or Firefox where the browser operates in one process and each tab shares resources in that one process, in Chrome each browser tab is its own process. So that means if you have a browser open with tested in YouTube and Facebook and Gmail. You can go into pro your process manager and you can see yeah. that certain tabs are taking hundreds and hundreds of megs yes. while some are taking fewer less because they're less resource intensive. But the benefit, and the reason I started using Chrome in the first place, was that if, um, if a browser, if one of the tabs crashes, if one of the websites crashes, only that tab is affected, and the rest of the browser just goes on working as normal, Absolutely. for the most part. Uh, unless some plugins crash. Yeah, something, sometimes something bad happens. Like if Sh Shockwave Flash crashes, then it crashes across all browsers, yeah. all your instances. Yeah. Uh, one issue I have with the current system, and it's just a... a, a byproduct of the way I use Chrome is if I want to forcefully shut down all my Chrome browsers, mm -hmm. you can't do that. From activity or task manager task or activity manager. manager. You have to shut down individual processes. You can kill the parent process and it should take them all down. It's hard to find though because it looks exactly like all the others. Uh, yeah. Like, and the reason I would do that is because I actually favor the, it wipes out, you know, clears the memory and also when I come back, I can restore exactly the tabs I want. Mm, gotcha. Uh, like if, if I close Firefox, that happens. Yeah. All, all, all the tabs close, and then when I come back, I get all the tabs back. But if I shut down Chrome one at a time, or if I close all at once, it doesn't necessarily bring restore. Well, but you can always go into the into the um, uh, history or frequently used sites tab, and there's a thing along the bottom of the, the sometimes default it works, tab. Sometimes, sometimes it does lose it occasionally. It does not yes. work. Um, so yeah, the, the Opera is also going to use Blink. They've come out and said that. They just recently switched from their own renderer to WebKit. Uh, and now they're going to they're gonna use Google's fork. Um, and it's interesting because it seems like from the rumor, rumor slash behind the scenes uh, leaks that we've seen from Google, this was a really fast decision on the order of a couple of weeks, not even a couple of months. Uh, so, so yeah, um, it's unclear which version of Chrome this will release in. Uh, but probably, I, uh, given the release schedule that they're on, I would assume it will be like at most one or two out, um, and that will make the dev builds of Chrome very interesting for a while. Okay. 
Um, on the same note, Samsung and Mozilla announced a partnership earlier this week to build an ARM-based renderer that they're calling Servo. So uh, that presumably is for Android phones and maybe particular, maybe other OS phones uh, in the future. Uh, Apple, r Apple rumors. Uh, we're into the time Exciting. of the year that we start hearing about iPhones and iOS and stuff like that. Uh, and of course, we know that we all know that Scott Forstall was sacked last year. Um, he was head of the software, head of iOS. Yep, yeah, and, and, and OS X and, and iLife and all the other stuff. His responsibilities were given to Johnny Ive? Well, they were split up between a bunch of people, but the OS responsibilities were given to Johnny Ive, who has publicly said he wanted flat, uh, 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 flat, flat, you know, he likes flatter apps. So the kind of two-dimensional, um, not fancy textures, no skeuomorphism. No all drop that shadows? Um, I don't know where, I guess he doesn't like drop shadows if he likes flat. I don't know where I don't know where drop shadows fall into this. Mm. Do you like drop shadows? I'm not a creative. I like drop. I do like drop shadows. When you said creative just then, was that with derision? Possibly. Okay. I, I like. Uh, I love drop shadows. So there aren't really a. T I guess there are some drop shadows. When you open like a folder in iOS, there's a shadow around the edge of um of of the folder. Um, my I, I like real that dark. virtual the the um the bottom. Which call it? Uh, the tray. The tray. I like I like the f reflections and that fake depth. Oh, you mean on the home screen, the springboard? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's an OS ten thing too. Like yeah, that that's I, lifted I, I straight I from like OS ten. Yeah. yeah. I don't have a problem with that. I, I like the stuff that I have a problem with more than anything else is the skeuomorphism. If you look at like the reminder app that looks like a piece you know, of paper, you're saying ske skeuomorphic aesthetic. Y yes, I am not a fan of that. Although not I have skeuomorph, there is no skeuomorph. I mean, there's skeuomorphism everywhere, but yeah. you're talking about from the aesthetic perspective. We're talking about the, the design, the design, um, the, the design aesthetic of yes, using physical objects to evoke in digital environments to evoke. Skeuomorphism technically is what it, what it is is like in the timer app scrolling up for numbers, because that is supposed to be comparable to the analog action of scrolling a dial. Yeah, that is skeuomorphism. I'm comfortable saying that I'm not. I okay. think there's a better way to do that. It's typing in the digitals, in digitals, or or another way that doesn't evoke necessarily an analog dial. All right. Like mimicking analog interfaces, real world interfaces on a touchscreen. Although I have to say I do like the the Swiss clock face on the world clock on iPad. I think that's pretty pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, every analog clock is skeuomorphism. Yes. Well, on a digital device. Mm -hmm. Um. The calendar is, has always been the worst offender. Of that, this, that, is the, is, that is the one that everyone calls out. It doesn't, there's no, it makes no sense to have a fold in the so middle. So you're saying none of that in next iOS, well, iOS that's, 7? That's the rumor. The okay. rumor is that um, iOS 7 is running behind uh, because of the change in October, I think, or September. I can't remember exactly when that happened. Um, but yeah, so Johnny Ives in charge of the team. It will, by all reports, include a more modern, flat design. Um, and that they're running behind, so they're pulling resources from the OS X team for That's going to be a big 7. change. That's going to be the biggest visual change on iOS since Could be. iOS came out. I mean, it, the question is, are the, does that mean they're going to change core like OS tropes? Or, you know, is this wall of icons going to go away? Or um, I don't think they can do that. I, at this point, I think probably they, they would have a hard time if they tried that. Um, I don't know. I, I think we'll see a lot fewer... Uh, textured surfaces. I think that the dudes who make textures for OSs at Apple are probably looking for new work elsewhere. My now. prediction is that there's going to be a, a backlash against this. 
There's going to be it's that's gonna a safe prediction. And I think it's going to alienate the mainstream user. The old people. You think my dad is going to be confused? Yeah, I think I, I think flat surfaces um, look good, um, but it's it's not as warm and friendly. See, I bet the old people don't notice. I bet the people who don't know what this is don't even notice that anything changes. Um, I'm looking at the home screen of my uh, my iPad right now, and how many Apple apps do you have visible? Just on the home screen of a just on the home screen like iPad or iPhone iPad. Um, I don't know. I, I have four. The apps or five app store settings. Well, no, four, five, six, uh, seven, that, eight, that, eight. It just that depends on how you use your iPad. I guess that's true. I mean, it's a spatial thing. I know my first screen is always the default apps, and my second screen is my most used apps. I don't mind having that one. Extra you don't swipe. mind swiping over? No. Oh, see, I put the most used stuff on the home screen. Yeah, it's just, everyone d- does differently. Yeah, I guess that's true. I know some lunatics who do uh, color coding. Yeah, it's insane. Um, I'm going back to our notes here to talk about what we're looking at. Um, Reuters. 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 It's Reuters. Not Reuters. Thompson Reuters. Is that what is first name was Thompson? No, it's two two last names. Really? Who who were these people? Uh, I'm not exactly sure. It's like it's a new service. Were they the people that made those things that went d d d d d d d d d d not not like know. the Morse code things, but like the stock tickers? And there's actually a good question because I remember in high school debate of when you're supposed to cite your sources, yeah. people would say Reuters, and you, people uh, debaters would call them out for you know not having the actual author name and not understanding what Reuters as a news service like the AP is. That sounds unnecessarily pedantic. That welcome to high school debate. Okay, fair enough. Um, uh, Reuters is reporting that a Nexus Seven follow up is in production for July. Two sources. Two sources. Two sources. So real news. Probably someone at ASUS and at Google. Uh, yeah. So the, the surprising news is that. It's not that next, uh, there will be a new Nexus 7 coming out this year. I think everyone kind of anticipated that. Or Nexus a re- 7 yeah. has been, uh, they've already updated it. They did up, one update in the mm-hmm. f- fall to add um, 3G and um, well, increase they, the capacity. Yeah. Um, but that's selling very well for Google as a $200 device. Um, and I think they've sold a little over 4 million so far, maybe close to 5 million. And they want to sell even more this year, especially with the introduction of the iPad mini in the fall of last year. So no surprise that a new Nexus 7 is going to come out this summer. No surprise that it will likely be announced at Google I.O. And those attendees will likely get one. Uh, Judging by the history of the Nexus 7 last year, that was first kind of shown off at CES. And they made a big deal about how fast the development was. Well, but it was quietly shown off and not it was quietly as a shown Google off as a, No, no, no Google. Uh, it was shown off as a low-cost tablet that yeah. had very good specs. Tico 3, you know, decent, decent screen. Um, and that Asus was targeting, you know, cl- close to $200. And obviously, Google saw an opportunity here. And they, they worked together very closely to create the Nexus 7, which is an uh, amazing achievement that they could do that in basically four and a half, four months, four and a half months to start production in May. It's a testament to off the shelf, uh, uh, to, to using an open platform that has, you know. Well, Asus is a big company yeah. also um, with a lot of experience making tablets. And start production in May, announced in June, starts shipping in July. Uh, we're talking here about Google I.O. being actually in May. Mm-hmm. So if that's something that's going to actually be shown on stage and given out to, uh, to attendees, attendees then it should be in production now. 
yeah. already. It, but they are, Google has also in the past given out uh, like essentially vouchers for something, so they'll mail something to people later. I think the first Chromebooks... I don't think they're going to do that. I think they won't actually want to show something. It, the impact of af- actually having something um, to show and to give away and have the, the press around that is mm-hmm. substantial, especially well, so- this is their big event. Once a year. Previous years, what they've done is done is released. Um, at first, it was one product, then it was two products, and then I think last year there were three products because they gave away a Galaxy Nexus, a Nexus Seven, and a Chromebook. Right. Last year. Yeah. Last year was the Orb. Oh right, the Orb. It was the year before that was Gal- that yeah. was the Galaxy Nexus. The no. Last year they gave away three things. They gave away many things. They gave away Nexus Seven. Yeah. They gave away. Maybe the there music, was no phone last the year. The music thing. No, I think they also gave away a phone. Mm-hmm. Um, the, Chrome, the Chromebooks were time delayed, though, is the point. Yes. Regardless, uh, no surprise, but the big surprise is that they're sticking with Asus, and mm-hmm. they're not changing uh, the Next 7 to a new, um, potential, again, it's all based on reports, uh, that they're changing to a new manufacturer. Um, and those reports also say that it will be a Qualcomm processor. Um, rather than a Tigra. Rather than NVIDIA Tigra 4, mm. um, maybe due to costs. Uh, and obviously having a high resolution screen. And the other, the last bit of um, well, rumor is that it might might even launch at $150. So Google's done a, a good job on the phone side with the Nexus line not playing favorites. They've done, let's see, one, what, one HTC phone, one Samsung phone. Yeah, let's see if we remember. So two Samsung the, phones. They're a very, very first, they've been two HTC start because the very, very first. The um, Nexus one. No, before that. Oh, I guess that's the first Nexus, but yeah. we're talking about the, the G1, well, which the, also an HTC. That doesn't count. I'd take that out of the the because that was there, there that was proto Android doesn't it's not actually well, you, actually technically the first three were HTC right um, HTC was early on on Android yeah because you had the G one with the keyboard then you had the one with the nub uh, which I think was the Magic on T Mobile and, and then after yeah. that was the Nexus one so in terms of Nexus devices uh, in the Nexus program HTC to start yep then you had uh, Samsung Galaxy S Galaxy S with the curved screen yep then, then the you, Nexus then the, that Galaxy was called the Nexus. Nexus. Right, so it was called Nexus, Nexus S, Galaxy Nexus, and, and the Nexus 4. 4, yeah. Uh, so they've done Samsung twice, HTC once, and LG, LG once, companies that they have not worked with the Nexus program that do high-profile Android phones uh, include Sony and Motorola. And um, uh, I guess that's it. Samsung and Mo- Samsung Sony. And I'm sorry, so- Sony and Motorola. And it's yeah. very unlikely, I think, that Google would want to do a, a GS4 or Samsung, for that matter, a GS4 Nexus. I don't think Sa- I don't think Samsung. I don't think Sony's in the business of of removing their marketing from stuff. So you don't think Sony? I, don't I think, think there's going to be a Sony Nexus. I think phone. it'll be either a Motorola or LG again. I don't think they're going to do Motorola because they don't want to scare off all the other partners. They've done a good job distributing the partnerships. So they've also done a good job just basically letting Motorola, Motorola go to waste. E- I, I well, you know, patents. That's why patents are dumb. Um, I guess that's it for the for the Nexus uh, Seven. Nexus 7 rumor. Uh, yeah, so don't buy a Nexus Seven right now if you can wait till July or wait until a month in May uh, for them to make some type of announcement at I/O. Um, get it then, pre-order then. It's a good little tablet. I think it will be very high demand. Uh, yeah. They, they want to sell eight million of those this year. Which, if you compare that to you know iOS is may not be that many, but it, when we are talking about three years, two yeah, two years of basically not very slow Android tablet growth. Yeah, uh, last year was a big year for them. Yeah, that that was that was the product that finally cracked the Android tablet market open, and way more so than the Nexus Ten, which uh, 
I don't know. I mean, I'm sure some pe- people love it and use it, but has not had the same traction. I, I think. I mean, I still. I think that the fundamental problem with 10 inch tablets is is the six, is 16 by nine 10 inch tablets are weird. It's a weird shape. It's it's unwieldy and 16 long. 16 by nine or 16 by 10. Yeah, shape. I'm just saying, not for if you're if you're going to make a 10 inch tablet, make it a the paper resolution or paper aspect ratio, like an eight by five piece of paper. Um, it's like an iPad, Norm. That's what I'm saying. Four by three. Four by three. Um, uh, uh, Twitter updated clients across um, for iOS and Android. The Android one is a big change because it's actually hollow. It uses the design language of, of Android 4.0. Finally, uh, two or three revisions into the OS. Um, I haven't you. I, I haven't noticed any difference on iOS. Are you using a? F- uh, I'm using Twitter. You don't use Tweetbot? No. Really? I like stock apps. Wow, that's crazy. Um, uh, the the new app fe- in, uh, includes cards, so you can see your YouTube stuff inside the uh, Twitter stream, which is awesome, I guess. Uh, bad news uh, on the game development front. Uh, Disney has shut down LucasArts today and killed the two projects that were in the pipeline there. Um, one of them I'd never heard of, them, but one of them was the Coruscant shooter 1313, right? Which is... Mm-hmm. Ideally, level I think, 13, 13. Yeah. Of, of the underground one. Yeah. Um, it looked really awesome at E3 last year. It was pitched as a next gen thing, but they have uh, shut down all internal development and are going to do uh, licensed games, which I feel like we've had this conversation about LucasArts before. I feel like Lu- this happened to LucasArts in um, it, 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 like five, six years ago when they were releasing like Star Wars Battlefront and those kind of games. We're seeing massive external success with partners, third-party partners. Slow and, risk. Right. It's a licensing Licensing is, is free money. Um, um, we, and especially if you're not as protective as the, of the brand as you used to be. Yoda th- toilet paper. My bet is that, they're gonna, that Disney's going to end up being more protective with Star Wars in the very beginning of this relationship. Do you think there's a chance that the, they would let... Someone else develop that 1313? 13, 13, 13? I'm not in a position. It depends on how far along it is, right? I mean, if it's something that somebody can come up, come put two years worth of work in and put the pick up, like when you do that, you have to pick up the existing team, really. Otherwise, it's a do over from scratch and they just take the design doc and, and assets and, and start building from scratch. Very, very sad and unfortunate. Was it an Unreal Engine game? Or do no, we know? No, it was no. just a custom. Yeah, I think it was custom. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, LucasArts, I, I only mention this because literally, like, LucasArts is one of the reasons that I do what I do today, right? Like, I started, I got into PC gaming because of games like X-Wing and TIE Fighter and, and, and in fairness, also, like, Doom and Wolfenstein and Duke 3D. Um, but that's how I learned about computers was by playing early PC games. Oh, yeah. Games that's uh, scum. Yeah. Well, to, in order to run TIE Fighter and, and Doom, you had to understand how to, man, how to configure memory managers and DOS and Windows and all that stuff. Um, mm, to some extent. Okay. In order to run them on a cheap computer, yes. you had to understand how to configure all that stuff. I had a cheap computer, which, which went a long way. Once I got a Pentium 60, all bets were off. Um, yeah, TIE Fighter ran on a 4666. TIE Fighter was one of the things that would run awesome on my 386. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, Doom. Doom wouldn't run without a math coprocessor and was ran poorly on a 386. 4633 was crazy, though. That's megahertz, guys, in case you're uh, 33 megahertz. Megahertz. That's million hertz. Million cycles per second. Wow. Do you remember those chips? They didn't have coolers on them. Yep. Exposed. It was just like a a big gray thing that said Intel inside Mm -hmm. and had the little Intel logo on it. 
Yeah. It wasn't until Pentiums that they were had heat sinks, at least. Even my Pentium 60 didn't have a heat sink. It wasn't until I got a Pentium well, 133 they were, they were ca- encased in uh, the Pentiums were... It had a heat spreader. Yeah, had heat spreader. That's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. But no fins. No. I remember when the fin processor started coming out, people were complaining that it went the beginning of the end for, for computers. Well, those, start ones, making those too were much sockets. Those were... Um, yeah, those were sockets. Oh, the slotted ones is what slotted you're talking ones. about. That was... Um, Pentium 2 and Celeron. Yeah, but even the Penny 133s had heat sinks, just no fans. Um, that was also, th- that all happened because of memory stuff. There was weird memory stuff that happened around that time. Um, so, yeah, Rip LucasArts. I'm, I'm bummed What's about What's your favorite LucasArts game from that era? From the early days? Early days. Only early days. Let's say. Uh, like 90s or. Let's say 90s, but let's say not 3D graphics. I'll give you. Th- I'll give no you- 3D accelerator needed. Hmm. So it's real tough between, like, say, Jedi Dark Forces Two, Jedi Knight, Jedi Knight which did not need a three D accelerator, two D rendered no, game. I mean, it was, but it it was, was polygons. Yeah. It would it would look better with a three D accelerator or um, Tie Fighter. I played a lot of Tie Fighter and X Wing, but mostly Tie Fighter. Hmm. Tie Fighter was pretty amazing. What about you, Monkey Island? Really? Yeah. See, I never got into the scum games that much. I, I yeah, I know I'm crazy. Um, yeah, I, and then you got to look at then you got to look hard at Kotor as a as a seminal game in the like that was the best of the Star Wars games I think ever. I don't know. I like Jedi Knight two after that. Jedi Knight two is pretty. Uh, Jedi Knight two, the Quake Engine one, mm-hmm. that was a pretty good game too. Um, so yeah, rip Lucas Arts and and good luck to all the people who are now probably hunting for work. Um, the next news is actually pretty big, and it's one of those quiet, small things that has the potential to change the world. So there's this company called Aereo that we talked about in uh, last year or earlier this year. I can't remember which. But they basically have built a technology that allows them to put a whole boatload of TV antennas in a market. And then they sell time on those antennas to people who want to get local TV but don't want to put an antenna up and don't want to pay for cable. It was streaming of... Uh, local TV from other people, and yes. they would other people le- lend and lease out their time to upstream, yes. to encode and upstream. Yes. So you, the thing is, theoretically, you're not allowed to do this. Like, you, like the, it seems like the easy way to do this would be to set up a machine with four tuners and just record everything that's on over the air TV for uh, in de- all the time, and then, and then just serve those files out yeah. to people who want to watch Friends, right? But you can't do that because that's a violation of copyright. So what these guys said was, look, what TV antennas are cheap and streaming stuff is cheap. So why don't we just build a system that allows us to uh, basically assign a tuner to each subscriber anytime they're watching, and then it's no longer copyright infringement. We're just the web, the internet at that point is just a translation layer. It's like a pipe from an antenna to this person's house or so iPad it is or a iPhone box that people buy. It's not a box. Not the a box is all remote. Okay. So you sign up for a service and download an app or, or download a, a, a good web page on your on your PC. Uh, and then from that point, you can watch any number. Well, I'm saying it's upstream to upload. It's not, you don't upload. So where, where are you getting It's in a data from? center. So oh, there's, a data center. A, there's a data center with all these antennas. And there's a picture on the verge of so the So they, they are building the infrastructure to serve yeah. local TV, but they have to build it in, in each market. market. Yeah, in each of the markets. That, so right now, it's only in New York. Okay. Um, I, I didn't actually look at the pricing. Maybe you can look, up, look that up while I explain what's happened. Um, but yeah, so they they got sued, unsurprisingly, by the TV networks. 
Um, now, right now, if you sign up for the service, you only get over-the-air broadcast networks, which in a big market like New York is NBC, CBS, Fox, uh, I assume something WB or UPN or whatever that is these days. CW, maybe? Is that what it's called? CW. Um, and uh, then, like, all the foreign language channels. Like, here we have a bunch of – we have, like, uh, um, ch- channels that are in Spanish and Chinese and Mandarin and, and – um, Cantonese and Korean and all sorts of different languages. Um, they also have Home Shopping Network and a few other things. And then there's also um, some like local government channels, like the the local, like I think the closed circuit TV for the city of New York courthouse and stuff like that is on there. But you are leasing their space, the DVR space. You are, you are paying a service that gives you access to tuners and, and you storage. can schedule the tuners to record to stuff record. if you want. Yeah. It's eight bucks a month right now. That's pretty, that, that seems like a really good price for this service to me. Um, you have to be in the market, so you can't, you can't live in San Francisco and subscribe to New York TV. Um, but if you're in New York, you can sign up for this and kill the cheap basis. Now, now what you don't get are channels like pretty ESPN or Disney cable, or paid cable channels. Well, you get home shopping networks. So you can watch the knife show. Okay. But other than that, yeah, there's no like knife show. No actual actual cable channels. Um, and of course you can't get HBO and, and things like that. But what they what they, what happened was they got sued for copyright infringement because the network said, "Hey, this is this is violating our copyright." And the Second Circuit Court of Appeals just declined a request by the TV networks to issue a preliminary injunction against the service. So that is um, it's a it's a positive move forward for these people as they continue to fight the networks. Now, why is this important? It means uh, it's actually one step toward cable cutting. Yeah. So, if you for basic service at least for now. What, well, once you get to a point, once they get to a number of subscribers that is interesting, you know, right now obviously there's no NBC Universal channels on there because Comcast owns NBC, and Comcast is probably not going to allow Bravo and Lifetime and and Dis- uh, not Discovery. Um, uh, anyway, all the fam, the large family of NBC slash Comcast owned channels up there. What will happen eventually, though, is that HBO will look at them having twenty million subscribers and say, "Oh, if we can get ten bucks a month from these twenty million subscribers, then you know that that is more than the amount that Comcast is going." Like at some point, the math will get right for the for the premium content providers that are not owned by media conglomerates to sign on. Um. And that, and when that well, the happens, the content providers have to sign on. The content providers have to sign on because the way the right now the way ESPN makes money is they sell ads that that air on the show, but also Comcast pays them X number of users, uh, yeah. X number of dollars per person who connects to their network for the privilege of connected carrying Comcast, ESPN. Period. Do, yeah, connected yeah. to Comcast. Whether you watch, oh, if yeah. you never watch ESPN, Comcast pay. is paying four dollars a month or whatever the amount of money is to ESPN. Because they carry that channel. Same thing for every channel on the network, aside from stuff like home shopping and, and some of the stuff that they have to carry legally. So it's, it's in your interest to consume as much content as, as you can Well, if you pay for cable. That's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is just not pay for cable anymore and, and spend more time doing something productive. Um, but yeah, so as, as, the, as the number of subscribers for this kind of de- delocalized uh, content provider increase... The, the more we'll see other providers coming on board and maybe even like smaller third party networks. Like it, it wouldn't surprise me if at some point these people, these folks carry a geek and sundry channel or a Nerdist channel yeah. or, and, a, and really their innovation is that it's cloud DVR and it can run on any device. 
yeah. and they are putting locally broadcast content into that. So they found a way to disrupt, to, to b- b- bypass the copyright provisions involved with broadcast TV. It's really interesting. Um, like I said, right now it's probably not for everybody, but for eight bucks a month, like if I wanted to watch TV in my New York apartment and didn't want to pay for cable. You are still paying for some Time Warner there. You're yeah. still paying for internet. Yeah, exactly. Um, so RDO launched a video service today or yesterday. Sorry. It is called, yeah, called video. V. What an amazing. So they, video. So they first, they killed the A and now they kill the I. Yep. V D I O. Okay. Um, it's all you can eat. So it's even I mean, it's not all you wrong. can eat. Sorry. Like V. Wow. It's spelled wrong twice. Yep. Video. It's terrible. It's an unfortunate name. It is not like RDO the service. Oh, it's not an all-you-can-eat sub, sub it's, service? It's absolutely not an all-you-can-eat <sighs> sub service. It is a a la carte, you buy or rent um, TV shows or movies. Um, that That's pretty much it. They don't uh, delineate the difference between standard def and high def content on the service yet, which is a little bit of a bummer. They always provide you the best quality service that you can can uh, accommodate, according to uh, the Verge or Technic or wherever I read about this. Um TV shows seem to be three bucks each, which is iTunes standard. Uh, video mo- movies are around fifteen and go up and to down buy. depending on what they are. If you want to purchase them, uh, or you can rent something for five bucks. But there's no apps, right? I mean, there's limited apps. I guess you have an iPad app, but you can't purchase from inside the iPad app. And there's nothing on RDA on it's Apple very basic TV service to compete Xbox with. Or to compete with YouTube and Google and, and Vudu and all those other. Does do the if you have an existing RDO app on your set top box, will that work with the video service or no? No, they're going to they develop separate apps. separate apps. Yeah. Okay, that's a, that's a bummer. Um, Amazon this week, in in what I thought was probably an April Fool's joke when I first read it, they added auto rip support to vinyl purchases. So, so we talked about auto rip. Do you remember auto rip? So if you buy vinyl, yeah, you get to download the songs immediately. Yeah, and then wait for your vinyl to arrive. Yeah. So if you're a collector, and how is Amazon actually getting this audio? They well are they selling you the MP3s ripped from the CDs? I'm sure it's MP3s ripped from CDs. Okay, eh, something special. It's a good. Oh, you, it's, it's, so if you're saying if they rip the MP3s from the vinyl, you'd be more you into the that. flax. They don't give flax. It's 320 kilobit MP3s. I yeah, believe. Then no. no. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I don't think people are buying vinyl. I don't think many people are buying vinyl as their as the only way to hold that the songs they have. You're not buying. No, an you album. buy vinyl because well, either you're into vinyl and that's why you like to listen to music, and you get up and put the disc on the the platter on w- the player. Sure, but I think those people also have the same songs on, in other formats. Well, now they definitely do. Now, now they do, but I don't think they needed this service. Really. I don't think I didn't. I would never have thought of considered buying vinyl from Amazon. I don't buy vinyl. I think vinyl. I think people buy vinyl to collect it. And they do enjoy the sound of it. Yeah. But those people probably have those songs or in other formats. Probably. In CD or MP3. So the service does very little to them. As opposed to buying a CD, I think people buy CDs as... Yeah, I buy a CD, rip it, chuck it in the garage, exactly. and never look at it again. Right. Um, I don't know. It was interesting. Not an April Fool's joke. I like the auto-rip feature a lot. I don't buy CDs anymore, but it was really nice flipping on my Amazon Cloud Player one day and seeing 3,000 songs pop up that weren't there previously. What were the big April Fool's jokes? I didn't pay attention. Uh, The best thing that I saw, I I watched three things. The best thing I saw was the YouTube video where they said, okay, we're done 
we've uh, the ex great experiment. The contest is almost over. Submit your last videos to YouTube by midnight on April first, and we're going to spend the next eight years figuring out which the best video of all time is. And they went through this whole elaborate thing where they had a process. It was really dumb, but pretty funny. As I think more dumb than funny. I, it was it was the right. Did you watch it? No. It was it was it was very well done. All right. Um, I'll take your word what for was it. your funny? The, the, also, that was the only thing I watched on April Fools. If uh, Google also did their annual April Fools joke with the maps, the pirate maps. maps. Yeah. Didn't Bing do that like three years ago? Isn't that? I feel like that was a recycled joke. Yeah, that could be. I don't like April Fool's Day. You, well, here's the problem. Can we talk? Is this, yeah, okay, so let's talk about open this. Open forum. The problem with April Fool's Day on the internet in the context of technology and gaming news sites is that it is not about playing hilarious pranks on your coworkers, friends, and neighbors. Is that, that, is the, that is the purpose of the true meaning of April Fool's Day? Well, to, in Will Smith's mind, it is. The I'm ghost sure of the April Fool's past and future is, has informed you that April Fool's is meant to play lighthearted, but... Yeah, but maybe jokes perhaps occasionally cruel even. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, for example, when we were at Maximum PC, one of my favorite things to do on April Fool's was get into work before Gordon would get there. And then I'd put some sort of horrible USB device inside his computer that would either sporadically take control of his mouse and make it squiggle all over the place. That's terrible. Or... Or put a, a beeping, a, 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 a sporadic beeping noise in there. You Oilatron are what's wrong style. with America. No, this is nothing wrong with this. Um, uh, one time I glued a whistle to the inside of the air conditioning vents. That's terrible. So that it would whistle every time the air conditioning would go. Um, what else? The time I made every phone in the office ring at once. That was pretty good because that was really freaky. Because you, know, you can queue up 20 calls in Skype. And you just you just. I don't make, think that was even for April Fool's. I think you just I think I just that. did that because it was Tuesday afternoon. And I was bored. Yeah. That's probably true. Um, that is the meaning of April Fools is pranks. What people on the internet do because you, it's hard to play a prank on the four hundred thousand people that read a website is they just make fake news. So they they the format is really simple. Well, right. That's, that's the prank. That's their idea of the no, prank. No, no, that's not a prank. That's lying. That's different. These are two different things. One is, wow, is you're a regular Martha Stewart. Is a practical joke. Why am I a regular Martha Stewart? Did you not see the Good Morning America thing? No. They asked, um, they played a, a joke, a prank on the host of Good Morning America, or it could have been the Today Show, one of those morning shows uh, where Martha Stewart was a guest on there. Yeah. And there was a, it was a improv everywhere. Um, okay. The, the guy who runs it and yeah, his we, wife. Those guys are funny. And the idea was that it would be a but, uh, marriage proposal gone terribly wrong. So he proposed on air while being a guest, the producers got him, were in on it and got him as a guest and the girl started crying and begging that the cameras be turned off. So who's the object of the joke? Martha Stewart? Everybody else no, no, knows? No, the hosts. Only the oh. hosts, including Martha Stewart. And the reactions were horrific. Who were the hosts? Do you remember? I don't, I don't watch morning television. I don't know their names. Okay. Um, Martha Stewart was a guest on it, but... Well, you know Martha Stewart. I, so you know some yep. of the people and, there. And uh, it was a guest host, I guess. And afterward, uh, she said, goodbye, liars. Yeah. So. Well, so, so the point is, not so the format for the lie news story is really straightforward, right? First, you take something that is improbable but possibly plausible. That's the first paragraph. So, for example, let's, let's make an April Fool's story right now. Okay. Um, not so easy. No, you, you got so to get the setup right. Okay, so here's the setup. 
Uh, Norman is going to go run the app store at Apple, right? This is your new job. Okay. Congratulations. Okay. Second paragraph includes a fake quote from Johnny Ive or, or, or Tim, Tim uh, what's his name? Cook. Cook. Uh, saying basically, great asset, blah, 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 all the normal bullshit that is in one of these. That, that, that's, but, a, that's a poorly constructed April but, Fool's joke. Well, I just did it while we were sitting right here. Oh but the thing about the second paragraph is you have to start dropping hints that perhaps this could be an April Fool's joke. And then the third paragraph theoretically should be the big payoff that, that lets everyone know that this was a joke and it's April Fool's and that you're all chuds. Now, the place where it goes wrong on the internet is a lot of people don't have a good grasp of what, what kind of, how gullible the world at large is. Or what short attention spans. Right. And you, you, they either never get to the third paragraph or it's not blatantly obvious Reading enough. Reading comprehension, zero. Right. So then what happens is Low you marks. have large numbers of people posting all over social networks that, oh, my God, I can't believe that this is happening. And they're going to shut down YouTube. Or um, what, was, what was the one on the... <laughs> Adam Boys. Yeah. Adam Boys is going to run EA. Except the whole, the whole press release for that one... Was a joke. No hint. No. Oh, really? Was written to be serious except for it came from his company and not ea no he didn't do it It wasn't him oh who did it i don't know he's pretty pissed off about it oh really (laughs) yeah i would see see how that would be a problem i figured that okay anyway the upshot is it's dumb all around dumb lying to your audience if you run a website is not a good idea well other other sites try to do clever things like reskin their website that's that can be funny. Okay. If you make it look like it's like 1997 again, nothing but tables and frames, then you're not original. Go nuts! I don't care, but at least at least that doesn't hurt anyone. Um, no, there's some funny stuff. Uh, the college humor or uh, funny or die did a bunch. Of funny sketches. or die is a site about comedy. It's okay for them to lie to people. They're not in the okay. business of telling you the truth most um, of the time. Who else did some good April Fool's jokes? I bet the Onion really nailed it. They probably just did straight news that day. Oh, those guys. Uh, okay, I was bummed out because the guys, uh, James Franco and his friends, um, okay. who have that movie coming out this summer about the world ending, okay, um, did a fake trailer for Pineapple Express 2. Oh, my God. Really? And at the end, it was really – because it's all, all the same actors. It's yeah, James they Franco. They all hang, hang out together. It's and Danny McBride. Yeah. It's um, – who's the other guy in – Seth uh, Rogen. Seth Rogen. Yep, Seth Rogen and um, Craig um, – Kilborn? No, the guy from The Office. Uh, Craig oh, Robinson. Craig Robinson. Uh, they were all in Pineapple Express. Yeah. And now they're all in this other movie, so oh. they all did a trailer that was actually a trailer for their new movie, which I'm not going to name because I want to give them too much credit, but it was posing as a trailer for Pineapple Express 2, which I would have wanted more. I would have been excited about a Pineapple Express so I, I was, 2 trailer. I was bummed out about that. Um See, that's another way that lying to your audience hurts people. Norm is disappointed. Yeah. His faith in James Franco is I, I, less now know. than it was before. I don't know if I'm hurt. You look pained. Uh, that's um, slightly, a slight disappointment. Google launched fucking Gmail on April Fool's Day. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, real news that's, that's announced on April Fool, Fool's Day. Don't ever do that. It's a terrible day to announce real news. You know, news. It, it was unfortunate because April Fool's was on a Monday yeah. this year, and Monday is typically when people want to get ahead of the news cycle yeah. and make their big announcements. So things like uh, Dark Horse Comics uh, planning on issuing or uh, doing a comic book miniseries based on maxi series based on the Star Wars, the original script for Star Wars written by George Lucas with wow. uh, Starkiller. Um they're doing, that was also announced on April Fool's Day. So is that a real thing it's or a is real that a thing. fake? It's oh. a real thing. 
Yeah, so the thing is, good, interesting, real stuff gets lost in the way of inanity and people being not funny. And so, also people trying to be above the being not funny on the internet. Because what, that's how you, the internet works. Are you suggesting that I'm a person trying to be no, above the, the no, no, not funny? No, ev- no, every, everyone on Reddit. Oh. Or other, other So websites. Reddit, I got to assume, is a place that if you're, if you're trying you to be funny and dumb. you're not funny... Yeah, you get, you get called out on that ...is pretty bad. Yeah. Good for Reddit. Yeah. I, the <laughs> worst thing in the world is people who aren't funny trying to be funny and failing miserably. Yeah. It's, it's like watching somebody sing karaoke and... You should and always just, be super self-conscious. Oh, yeah. If you, if, you don't, if you aren't 100% sure that what you're doing is really dumb and funny, then don't do it. Did you see the Sphero thing? No, I did not see the Sphero thing. So, you, know, you know, and I'm not a big fan of Sphero. I know you don't like the Sphero to begin with. Like but what they did do was make a huge Sphero, and they actually made it. So I, I, against my better judgment, I went and looked at the video, and it is like a five-foot Sphero, and it looks like a giant. It's like the balls from Futurama. No, they Futurama. didn't really need to have that on April Fool's. No, I would have posted that. If it had been anything but an April Fool's video, I probably would have posted it because it's dumb and funny. But right. there we go. Lessons learned. Um... Speaking of things that should have been April Fools, Pixar is making Finding Dory next winter. Two winners from now. Oh, Disney. I guess that'll Thanks do it lot, for news. Disney. Do you have anything Thanks else? Thanks a lot, Disney. I um I I like Dory and I like Finding Nemo, but I don't I Cinderella 2, the Cinderella stories. Yeah. Well, the first movie was set in Australia and apparently this is going to be set a year and a half later, but in America, they'll travel across the ocean. I don't. I don't think clownfish leave tropical waters. But I'm not a fish. I'm not an ichthyologist. Does that mean they won't have the turtles? If there are no turtles, then I guess the turtles can go anywhere. Do turtles migrate? I don't know. These are all questions that have to be answered. These are questions that you'll probably learn with I, the movie yeah. Disney Pixar's Finding Dory. I'm gonna play. The you know, music. I, I will. I would rather watch that than watch Disney Pixar's plane. Or not. I'm sorry, just Disney's planes based on the popularity of cars yeah. and cars 2 yeah a spin-off franchise that was supposed to be directed dvd called planes starring i believe dane cook as the voice oh, of a uh, really? prop duster oh. Uh, oh that movie has now been called up to the big leagues for theatrical release it, it, it's been called up to the big leagues for theatrical release two years ago that's nothing new planes i know no thanks you're not gonna go for is that the first pixar movie you'll skip that's not a pixar movie Oh, it's just Disney. Disney. Just Disney. They're not putting the Pixar name on it? Really? No. Pixar's not producing it. So one of the stories that came out of the Steve Jobs, you know, the the acquisition of Pixar by Disney and Steve suddenly being on the board at Disney was that he went in and said, hey, you assholes, stop making these shitty direct-to-DVD movies like Aladdin 2, The Return of Jafar, and, um, and killed a bunch of those. Guess what's happening? Oh, gross. I'm going to play the music, and then we're going to talk about what we've been testing, and it is a doozy this week. Norm, do you like juice? Now I do. Did, had you had you, had you I, juiced I, I, before? Of course I've juiced before. We've what all juiced it? before. You know, Tess can't prove it, but we know we've done it. Well, I mean, look at this body. Yeah. I mean, how was that? Uh, that doesn't ERA. happen by accident. No. Um, no. Who's your supplier? I got a guy in the East Bay. He used to work with them. Well, I can't say. Right. Um, no, we're talking about uh, vegetable and fruit juice, mostly vegetable juice, but also fruit juice. Um, had you done? Had you done that kind of juicing before? Yes. I, know, I mean, I know you're into steroids, but in terms of drinking juice, yes. yeah, yes, and making juice, yes, yes. But I like orange juice. 
That is my favorite juice. It's your preferred your juice of my, choice? My juice of choice. Um, so like a year ago, uh, we were talking to a friend, friend of the site, Brian Lamb, who got crazy into juicing uh, vegetables, mostly kale, it seems like. Um, and as a result, we went out and we're like, well, we should get a juicer. Let's get a juicer. So we got a juicer. I used it for maybe a month, and then it basically sat in my garage aging um, for a while. And so we busted it out, and we, we did a juice comparison uh, with, with the juicer that Brian recommends, which is the Omega uh, 8004, I Three. think. Four. Okay. The three is a, has different accessories, basically. Okay. Um, and the uh, Breville centrifugal juicers, one of the Breville centrifugal juicers. So they have, they work on two different processes. Anyway, the video will be up next week, I guess. So just just hang out and watch it then. Um, but we had juice for amazing. lunch. I feel really good right now. I you, feel pretty good you too. Feel good yeah. still. Yeah. Do you have any kind of digestive rumbles or anything after all the juice? Uh, no. We ate. Is, is, is juice a? Uh, is that a is that muscle a, relaxer? A laxative effect? Yes. Uh, not, I don't think so. Not in my Fib- fiber, yes. We well, we got all the nasty fiber out. Right. That's the great part about juicing. You don't I have suppose. to have fiber. I don't know. You think you can have the fiber if you want afterward? It's pretty gross. It's real dry. Bowl, bowls of fiber, or that's what you get. That's the punishment. Fiber. I wonder if you could make that into shredded wheat. Like comb it out and put it on a, like a on a table like cereal, dry it out, bake it, maybe. I I don't think. I wish I hadn't put that all in the trash can. You could pour some olive oil on it and bake anything, and it'll pretty, probably be good. Yeah, I like baked kale. Um. So yeah, we did that. Um, I feel like I had about three Red Bulls. Right now, there's a lot of liquid. We a lot a, of solids. We had a lot of juice. I mean, we ate thirty bucks worth of vegetables, basically. And a pineapple. Oh. Um, so, yeah, look forward to that. It's a weird video. Uh, we also, Jeremy Williams, friend of the site and, and our, our old podcast producer, back when we had professional people doing this at, at previous employers, um, came in and he was one of the first orders of the backers of the backers. Oculus Kickstarter. Yeah. So he was like number 200 or something. And he Backer got his kit 109. last week. Oh, 109, really? 109. Wow. We were 17 something. Not, not even fifteen something. I think we're fifteen oh seven or seventeen oh nine. We're fifteen. We're in the fifteen hundreds. We should get ours next week. I think. Crossing, um, if crossing things fingers. go well. But he, uh, so he spent most of the weekend with the Oculus, uh, and then brought it in yesterday for us to kind of futz around with and shoot some video. And, I just want to go and say experiment this, with. This is a great reason, and was one of the great things about Kickstarter mm-hmm. starting projects is that if you're an early backer, if you are an early adopter. And believe in certain things. And, you know, just like any type of invest, investment, not everything's going to pan out. There are some things we've backed a year over a year ago. I was supposed to be promised, you know, months ago, all, yeah. six months ago, and still haven't arrived yet. But they were, they will, uh, I think Kickstarters and, and Indiegogo and, uh, and all those projects, they really uh, reward the early backers uh, with the product first. Well, and, and the, the nice thing about them is you end up like, well, the Oculus is a bad example because they, they would have gone and gotten money from VCs or something like that, and that product probably would have existed anyway. But a lot of other stuff, like um, uh, I, I don't know, like those spectrometers that that uh, we have coming, the public lab stuff, that wouldn't have existed without Kickstarter. And a lot of it is is like that is an interesting thing. Well, it's They're, not only a, uh, I mean, e- even if a company is going to get investment and 
they're going to make you know start production no matter what, regardless of Kickstarter. Um, even using it as a pre-order system to gauge interest and immediately build a community where those people are invested. Yeah, and are have the anticipation is so high for that. Uh, that itself is worth using Kickstarter from a user or perspective. Yeah, from that's b- fair enough. From both a user perspective and from a, from a, a, a starting a new company, a entrepreneurial perspective. Um, so yeah, he brought the Oculus in, uh, and we played TF2, which I hadn't seen played anywhere before on the web. Um, it, it's interesting. You should, I mean, the the I guess I should just say you should watch the video. Um, we go through all the different control modes. We go through the calibration process where you set your interpupillary distance. Um, I used it for probably, what, 35 minutes all mm-hmm. told, uh, mostly consecutively, uh, which I was a little worried. After the Hawken demo at GDC, I was a little worried that that wasn't going to be possible. Uh, and it worked really well. So I think the biggest problem or the biggest uh, thing that they need to fix, um, because there are many, many challenges to virtual reality, which mm-hmm. we've talked about at length before. you got latency. Um, yeah, screen fidelity. Um, but the biggest thing that people don't know about and that people have not caught on to yet is um, persistence of pixels, pixel refresh. Yeah. And if, if you're using anything but a, like a, a laser projection system, um, you're going to get... Fast movement will c- split the pixels up and you will get color fringing and, and pixel smearing. Well, you can get... I mean, that, that is... As they build more product and they get more supply, they 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 have more supply, so they're so they can buy stuff in bigger bulk. They can get faster LCDs, or they can use a different type of technology. Uh, judging by from Michael Abrash's talk, mm-hmm. technology just not just does not exist right now. Fair and, enough. And if you're talking about a refresh rate of an LCD that's let's say 240 hertz, mm-hmm. which is high, yeah, like that's very very high. Uh, you're still going to notice um, that type of judder if you're moving your head really fast. So I think it's up to the game developers to develop games that don't require that. But on the other hand, I mean, you could, th- there are image, pr- there are TV screen technologies that, that do produce much higher higher refresh rates. Like plasmas operate at 600 hertz. So what, what's the magic number? Does he know? Or is it something they can't tell like 2000. yet? 2,000. Wow, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, never mind. Uh, slow movement. I, the, the blurring I found um, was less offensive on, with the Oculus, partly because the resolution's low. So when you move your head quickly, then you end up feeling like um, it, it almost looks like you're getting some like it, it filtering on the image, almost like it's blurring. And that may be, it may be the case that they can counter the, the, by mimicking sense of motion and movement. I mean, people are going to come up with creative way to, ways to overcome these problems, yeah. maybe not sheer brute force technology. Uh, for example, the low-resolution screen door effect that's on the Oculus Rift, and that's something that I think Jeremy said he noticed very clearly. And people do, I mean, because it's a, it's a 1280 by 800 oh, panel. Um, and you're very close to and, it. And, and you're much close, and not only physically close, but you're magnified with, with the optics. Yeah. Um, I think that s- some people are, have experimented in some research labs of experiment ways to get rid of screen door effect by v- vibrating the screen very quickly mm. so that the, the actual lines don't appear. I don't know if that will work for virtual reality for HMDs, but um, again, people will develop ways if this becomes a real business well, and, thing. And the pixel resolution of screens and phones has already dramatically increased in the time yeah, I, between I would be when shocked. they source these panels. And, and I would be shocked if, if the consumer version, which I think they're targeting... Uh, they hope will be f- uh, end of next year. Uh, Is it end of next year or end of this year? I thought it was late, early next year or late this year. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say 2014 from what yeah. I've heard and seen online. Um, They've been cagey about that is what I would say. Yeah. Um, I, I would be shocked if that was not a uh, 
1080p panel or at least know, a, a 1200 yeah. a 1280 1200p panel or something yeah um the so the experience playing was how much you you didn't get to play as much as i did because i no, was sitting with like, the goggles on five ten minutes um you get you became accustomed to it very quickly um Calibration helps. Tremendously. Calibration helped a ton. The the one thing I will say is that I I'll probably bust out the contacts if I ever want to play with this for an extended period of time because it is pretty uncomfortable with your glasses on in there. Um, it, I said in the video that um, it's kind of like looking down a short tube, and when I say that, because you you don't have full peripheral vision, but it's like wearing a like a, a scuba mask, right? Like you're you have a little tiny bit of a crop, so you're you don't have full peripheral vision. If you wear glasses, you probably wouldn't even notice it because you're used to not having vision, peripheral vision out of the sides if you have mm -hmm. bad, bad but vision. But your focus, your attention is in the, the center area yeah. of the screen anyway. So unless you're actively looking around to try to find the borders uh, of, the, of, of the lens cups, then you won't notice it. It's the kind of thing that in previous demos, I, like the only reason I noticed it yesterday is because I finally had, had it on long enough to say, oh wait, what's the limit of the field of vision? Plus you were also trying to look at your keyboard when typing, and yeah. so your eyes naturally went down to look at your, your fingers. That's definitely true. Um, it's it's um, the vertical, the thing that I noticed immediately is that you get much more vertical resolution when you're playing a game like TF2 with Do you the mean detail on. or just range field of, of view? Field of view, okay. Yeah. Um, the the side the the horizontal field of view seemed to be roughly similar to a, a big monitor. Um, it's a it's a really interesting experience. I like. I don't think I would encourage anyone to go out and spend three hundred bucks a, on a, a really dev kit. interesting experience. Is something you could also say about the Wii U. Mm, but I, I don't. No, I wouldn't call the Wii U a really interesting experience. Um, I know, and for what for the record, I don't think the Wii U is bad. I think that they've. I think we haven't seen any software that takes advantage of it, and it's probably going to bomb out at this point because of sales. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't like it's. If you have a friend with a dev kit, it's the kind of thing that you should definitely go try. Um, and and don't and just spend five minutes at it. And if you have a dev kit and have lots of interested friends, you can charge your friends. That they, that they, would they be will, a mercenary. They will, they will pay for the crack. Just make them bring beer, or if you're old enough to drink. If you're not, then make them bring sodas or something. Um, I, I'm really interested to see where it goes and see some stuff that's developed for it. After using it at more length, the games like it. In my mind, I wanted to believe that I was going to be able to fire up Bioshock Infinite and play the first 30 minutes of that game with this thing on, unless Irrational spends a lot of time developing... A man month? Yeah. Uh, it's not going to happen. So don't. So expect that if you're looking at it now, you're going to play some Unity demos and TF2, and that's probably it for the foreseeable I'm, future. I'm curious and about Hawken. the, the uh, Hydra implementation, and the Six Sense guys, guys who make Hydra, have so you're said saying that they, they are going to support it. Yeah. Um, if In fact, actually, if you pre-ordered an Oculus, then you can get a Hydra for like 50 bucks. You can get a Hydra for 50 bucks right now. There's a, t a sale going on through end of April. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, for everyone. Just go to, I think just go to Razor's website and sign up. Um, and Why are you interested in the, in the Six Sense thing in because the Hydra? If there's motion tracking in game, I mean, you, the problem is going to be controls with the keyboard and mouse. TF2 works because you're only using very few keys and you're, you're not typing. Um, and the Hydra, even less so. All the demos given with the Oculus so far have been uh, with the gamepad. And I think with the Hydra and one-to-one -one motion, two independent um, hands moving in game, you get a lot of interactive interactivity. I guess the interaction, like, the thing that I'm interested in is is um, that Neil Stevenson um, backed 
game Clang, the Kickstarter thing, which is like a one-to-one sword fighting simulation using Hydra, the Hydra, as the as the controller. I, I don't know if sword fighting is going to work because just like the Wii, Snow Crash, know, man, you have no feedback. Uh, sword go Clang, the, the sword Hydra. goes Clang in the game. Your hands still swipe through in air. It, there, one one-to-one motion, it hurts. Then it, it's mm. as if you were moving with a head, your head and with wearing the Oculus, and suddenly. Your, uh, you know, your vision. Well, the, w- the game isn't moving, and that's very disorienting. So the one thing people have been asking is, did I did I hurl while using it for thirty minutes? Because the recommended use is like ten minutes at a time when you're starting out. I didn't throw up. I didn't even really feel nauseous. I did have a little bit of trouble focusing afterwards from from focusing on something very close for an extended period of time. Um, your perception changes. It yeah, it's kind of like if you. Um, I don't know. I don't know what. The, I don't really have an analog in my experiences to describe it. Um, but yeah, you, you, uh, where was I going with this? Do you remember? Do you have any idea? You were saying something. What, what did you said? The clang thing. Um, we're going to hurl. Oh, I, I didn't throw up. I didn't feel nauseous. Um, the one time I did start to feel a little queasy was when we switched it to the mode that doesn't allow head tracking to do anything. And the, the movement is all controlled by mouse. Yes. Mode that, seven. That was real bad. Don't do that. Like that, like when, when you're in the, the goggles and you're used to them moving with your head, as soon as that stops, bad things happen. It's really cool. People are already putting out some interesting tech demos. Uh, there's one where someone has created a virtual cinema. Mm-hmm. So you have a movie theater that you sit in and the you can watch a movie with other people also possibly wearing the Oculus Rift. And if you look around, you have the experience of uh, being inside a movie theater without <laughs> being inside a movie theater. Is there some jackass next to me with his cell phone out? There, there could be. Cool. This, this could be the, the way to enjoy, you know, watching uh, Netflix in the future. Yeah, but, well, the screens have to get a lot better than that. Well, yeah, this, absolutely, because you're talking about even yeah. lower resolution. Yeah, like a window in a window. Yep. Um, the interesting thing to me is that kind of heads-up display stuff. Uh, I'm, I want to do, I, I've got to figure out a way to multiplex HDMI so we can do two different Actually, the I just never mind. I just figured it out. Let's um, I guess that's it for us today. Actually, uh, we're not going to do questions because my computer has all the questions on them, and I, I can't get that to work right now. Um, but if you have emails, the the way to do them is to send them via email to uh, podcast at tested Keep them short, under forty five seconds. Audio questions are preferred. We're doing some some red red questions these days, uh, and we will uh, do more questions next week. I promise. Um, oh oh, one more thing to talk about. There's a iOS game called PWN Pwn. It's a terrible, terrible name, but the game is fucking awesome. So if you are, uh, it's a real-time strategy game that is like in a uh, Neil, uh, sorry, William Gibson cyberpunk kind of universe where you have to connect, com- you, you, you hack nodes. Um, it combines a lot of like, um, I don't know what those games are called, but what, what would you call Euphoria? It's kind of a strategy game, right? The thing where you have the little yeah. ships and they fly yeah. from planet to planet, but it's a strategy game. Yeah, so it's it kind of works like that. Like you attack nodes and take over nodes. There's usually an opponent that's computer controlled, or you can play multiplayer. And it's called PWN. PWN. It is it is the best iOS game I've played in a really long time. Um, so that'll do it for us this week. Uh, for Norm- Norman, anything to plug? Anything else you want to talk about on the site? Uh, there was also GDC last week. We we covered that, but yeah. a lot of stuff happened. At the end of the week, didn't we talk about that last week? Uh, there was some controversy. What was the controversy? There was the the parties and oh, the, the indie game thing with the yeah, 
don't want to get into that here. That's a All topic right. for bon- gaming podcasts. Um, Which clearly we are not. No. No, as everyone reminds us at every time. Every available opportunity. Uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of This Is Only a Test. Until then, uh, we'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Oh, I got to play that. Oh, today's outro is brought to you by... Benathon. Hi there, I didn't see you. That's it. That was fitting. Um, if you want to send an outro in, the way to do that is to go to tested.com or go to Google and search for raw outro song file. The raw uh, outro without the, the, with the big gap in it is on the first page. And then just upload your edited version to SoundCloud and um, uh, post a link. Make sure you set the SoundCloud, SoundCloud file to download. Otherwise, I won't be able to download it and play it on the show. But we'll see you guys next week. Bye.